Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll find the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And now, here is your host, the CEO of Access Entertainment and the Media Excellence Awards, the original media maven herself, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment, and I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Poshman at Media Maven's podcast. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Super excited. We were just chatting with our guest about the weather, but so I figured yeah. he's buried in seven feet of snow. Let's bring him on, warm up everybody. So I want to um, introduce Jeffrey Hazlett, the CEO of C-Suite Networks, onto our podcast. Hi, Jeffrey. and Welcome to Media Mavens. Welcome. And, you know, you can tell people where they're from by if whether they talk about the weather or the traffic. Right. But you can't say that anymore right now with all this COVID. No one's traveling anywhere. So no one talks about we traffic. still have some traffic in L.A., but I'm just more about you're in snowboarding and ski season right now. Almost. So I love that. Well, yeah, in South Dakota. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just flat. You have to get behind a car with a rope or something to pull you for skis. <laughs> Across and, country. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, at least you're inside where it's warm and you're on our podcast. So we're very excited to have you on the show. Now, we were just chatting prior to this. C-Suite is a broadcast network from podcast, radio, television. Give us a little bit of background on that. Yeah. You know, I used to have a television show on Bloomberg called The C-Suite with Jeffrey Hazlett. You know, I was a judge on Celebrity Apprentice for years and left to Eastman Kodak and went out on my own. And started kind of creating my own little media company, which I think we can get into a little bit in terms of you have to be a media company, although we saw it years ago, you know, sell yourself, sell you, sell the brand, sell the brand, sell you. It's the same thing. And so I started a show called The C-Suite on Bloomberg, a business show, and it became the number one business show, you know, on cable. And yet we had all these people watching us online. So I said, whoa, 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 you know, we got to go do something online. So we created something called C-Suite TV which led us into creating this bigger membership network called C-Suite Network. So you kind of look at us like a big sequoia tree. And underneath the sequoia tree is this, you know, this huge canopy with this great ecosystem that has a community, has media content, has events going on, and then has lots of benefits and partners that, you know, we do business together. And that's really what it's about. It's really about building your own tribe and space. It just so happens we have 350,000 members in it. And we have millions watching our TV. We have 70 TV shows now. We have 250 podcasts. You know, we have hundreds of meetings. So it's it's changed. Even with COVID, it's changed. It's actually gotten so much bigger. Yeah, I think this, and this is what we always, Michelle and I have always talking about this. Everybody, we just did a panel, yes, a global women's panel on creativity. And I, I moderated it. Michelle was on the panel with a few other women leaders that we're friends with. And our big conversation was, getting out there, lean on tech, creating content, getting creative about how you're reaching people, which is why we have Media Mavens podcast. We decided to get creative and take all of our conversations about technology, entertainment, anything under the sun. But then we realize as leaders in our own respective fields, why are we not talking publicly and inspiring and motivating others? So we decided to get creative, create our own content. So now we have the podcast. So we kind of took that trajectory, but you are housing, like I think you said, 200 podcast channels right 200, now? Yeah, 250 podcasts, adding a new podcast every other day. Easy. You know, we're up 450% over last year in terms of the, the numbers that we've got, uh, well over 1,200% in the listeners. You know, we're 
Yeah, it's pretty significant. I mean, podcasting, obviously, it's become one of the biggest, you know, pieces of, of media, although it's still not driving the ad revenue yet. Yet, I say that, you know, there was a big buy today where Spotify bought Megaphone for $253 million today. So very significant in terms of listenership, in terms of how many people are listening every single month, you know, well over 100 million people a month listening to podcasts, you know, so it's significant. And so, you know, we're still in a startup. We've got, you know, a few million listeners every single month, which is positive. It's great, you know, but growing right now at 40% on our listener month over month. So that's, we will take that every single day. But, you know, what you said, Sarah, earlier about you and both Michelle stepping and doing what you're doing with COVID right now, days have become weeks, weeks have become months, months have become years. And you have to move very quickly. And, and traditional way of being able to get your message out there isn't the same way. That's why you need great PR people. That's why you need great marketing people, great media people that you can tie to. But you have to become a brand. You have to become the kind of person. You know, when I was a CMO of Eastman Kodak, they put me on the front cover of Forbes and Fortune and called me the celebrity CMO because I was out there doing uh, celebrity apprentice, things like that. And I was using it for OPM, other people's money you know, a way to be able to get my company's name out there and in essence, use me as a way to do that. Who cares as long as they talk about my company? And that's what you're going to see more and more people, more and more companies, more and more brands are going to have to do. They're going to have to personalize it and they're going to have to get out there, going to have to create media. This is is exactly what we talked about yesterday on our panel, Michelle. And I'm always a big believer that, you know, being in a PR firm and owning an agency, Traditional PR and press releases don't cut it anymore. That Reddit put it over the wires, they'll lock come. Traditional PR is great for some things or as a mix, but you can't survive on writing a press release. There's no events anymore. You've got to get more creative. You've got to get more strategic. You've got to go out of the box and you've got to get through this. The only way you're going to be sustainable and thrive and survive through this year and the next is if you're getting more creative, leaning on tech and going out of the box. So from a PR standpoint, I 100% agree with you, Jeffrey. It's beyond PR. It's, it's strategic PR. It's public relations. It's the messaging, be at the right place, the right time to get your message out there. So you've got to start building that brand from inward out. And I think we're seeing that or slowly seeing it. I haven't seen a lot of strength and leadership. So I think everybody's been paralyzed in fear. But I think yeah. podcasts have blown up since then because it's a different way to get your message across. We created a platform to give you a voice, inspire, and share your story. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. And everybody, as you well know, would love to be the next Joe Rogan, would next love to be the next big serial podcast. But the odds of that are next to nothing, quite frankly. You know, everybody looks at media as though it's got to be eyeballs and ears. You know, we got to hit huge numbers. That's not the case. That's absolutely not the case. Really, what you want to do is win hearts and minds. So it's really about how do you use the form? Let's take podcasting as a great example. The job for a specialist, look at B2B, so particularly B2B. On the consumer side, yeah, you probably do want to hit bigger numbers and so forth. That's what you really want to try to do. And they'll do that. But if you're a B2B, if you're using it to position your business, position your voice, position your message, all the things of which you've got to do, then you really want to look at how do you win hearts and minds? How do you use the podcast as a way, as an extension of you to get to the audience so you can do business with them. It's being authentic. And Michelle and I talk oh. about this all the time. Some podcasts are like very QA, QA, QA in 20 minutes. They're just your standard reading off a cue card of what you do, who you are. But we love the authenticity. I mean, we don't curse. Sometimes I curse. 
I always say oh, I, I curse. I got lots of red marks on my podcast. <laughs> just so you know. All the time. But you want to be authentic and reachable. And that's but where thanks I for think. warning me. Thanks for warning me, by the way. I'll do my best. To we're, not, we're, not, we're not going to beep those out. But we love it that when you're authentic and we love it when people right. are laughing and cutting over. It's just a real conversation about real life. And that's what people could relate to. Yeah, I mean, we I mean, stay away from. Why be some? Why be something else, right? I mean, that's that's the other piece. I mean, eventually, what we found, especially through social media, is that we peel back the advertising, we peel back all the paid media. It's really truly about engagement, and it's really truly about getting real with the people. They're going to figure out who you are anyway. Right. Yeah. So you you can't whitewash it. You can't paint over it. They're going to know all the flaws, all the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's nothing wrong with that because well, it content. is good, bad, and ugly. It's about yeah. content. And there is money out there. I mean, people uh, are terrified in fear. and They're not spending on startup level. But there's so many mergers and acquisitions. We've seen so many M&As come out in the past five, six months. People are still moving forward. But it's all about the content, which I think is what we're all about here, creating new content. But we're telling the narrative. We are telling our story. So we're storytelling in our own words. We're and, not reading it off the and, cue card why we can be relatable. Isn't that quite the shift as well? You think about Mad Men days, telling someone this is who we are. Instead, there's that transparency. You're showing people who you are and the people that want to do business with you will be drawn to you. People that don't, that's fine. It's so much more of a connection, a personality connection, whether it's a business or an individual. And so you're just putting yourself out there. Yeah, it's you it's about martinis being... when you say madman, Michelle. I know yeah, that's what yeah. we're missing. That's what we're missing Draper today. When we need where's Draper? I don't know. Where's you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I you know back in my Kodak days, I actually one of the hot Twitter accounts back then was Mad Men, and I tweeted as though I were the CMO of Kodak to Mad Men, and we tweeted back and forth, and we carried on conversations as though it were nineteen sixty something. And I'm tweeting as a CMO as though I'm in the 1960s and talking about the brands and things that we did. And and if you That's remember, great. season one, the finale was them actually doing the commercial and the pitch for the Kodak carousel, the slide projector. And we worked our content into their show organically. When I first heard about the show, get this, this is about content. This is a great example of how you do this, my friends. I heard the show was going to do it. Matthew Weiner was going to do this show. Of course, he, I was a big fan of his at Sopranos. Heard he was doing this show. And so I called, didn't know him, called and said, hey, I'm Jeffrey Azel, Chief Marketing Officer of Eastman Kodak. I hear you're doing this show based in the 60s, all about advertising. Well, one of the biggest companies doing advertising of the time in the 60s was Kodak. Would you like our library? Would you like to have every ad that was ever done? Would you like to have every layout of every magazine that we were in and so forth? We had this extensive library of archives. And I said, it's yours. You can have it and do whatever you want. Just treat us as nicely as you possibly can. And that's how we got the, that's how we got the deal. So we made us part of the story. And what most people don't know is I also knew we were going to retire Kodachrome. Now, Kodachrome back in the 60s was one of the biggest brands in the world, but the 70s, the 80s, the 90s even, Kodachrome was one of the biggest. But yet we had reiterated the product 400 times, 400 new different variations of that product in back in 2008. So we decided to do away with Kodachrome because no one's buying anymore. And so I actually re-released or put a hint in the tweet that I was doing with them in the 60s that maybe in 2009, who knows, maybe it will be retired. 
And so we worked that in. And then, of course, we retired the brand. So that was that was and we we tweeted about it and announced it before anybody knew what we were doing. That was fun. Very well done. It's great. So what else are we working on these days? I mean, you, you were talking about using other people to bring your brand into the market. Kodak was a perfect example, which is what you guys are doing on the media side, TV. I know we talk about podcasts. Where are you guys out on the TV side? Are you guys doing channels? Yeah, we're doing TV, OTT. So we're over the top television network. So we've got shows on Apple, Roku, Amazon Fire. We've got shows on broadcast. We're actually buying, rebrying broadcast times because there's such a plethora of time that's available. And so we're buying time. I buy one hour on Sunday nights in 36 markets. We hit 58 million homes and we program TV for that as well. And then we're also on numerous other captive broadcast networks like United TV. So if you go on a United flight right now, you can pull up and see three of our shows on their network. We're the business channels on that network. And so we're providing original content for them. We're also repurposing that in other airlines. We're up repurposing it in doctor's offices, in hotel rooms, anywhere I can find a TV set or a a screen of some kind, I'm going to try to put content on it because that's the nature of the game. you got to be where people are. You know, it used to be, both Michelle and Sarah, you know this, that back in, let's say, the 80s, the top show was Happy Days. And when Happy Days would have an episode, if you remember, 60 million people would watch that show. 60 million people. Now, the number one show today is a show called Big Bang. Now, on its big finale show, how many people worldwide watch that particular show? Number one show on every network. How many people? Want to take a guess? Like 100 million? Six million. Six. Six million. So one-tenth of the audience, yet it is now still the biggest show, right? So one-tenth of that audience. So, But there's more people. So what are they doing? Where are they? Well, they're watching it on YouTube. They're watching it on this. They're watching Netflix. They're watching Amazon Prime. They're watching a hundred, if not a thousand different options. So as a brand, what do you have to do? You have to go where the people are. You know, you have to be able to now go across many channels, take one piece of content, chop it up, step and repeat it and get it out to as many places as possible in order for that message to be heard. It's a much tougher thing. And, you know, I know a lot of people would say, oh, I can't wait to do a television show. Oh, look, I've done a primetime show. Nobody watches, okay? It's in the pickup later. It's in the syndications. It's in the, it's in the social. It's in the digital side. It's somewhere else. So what you thought used to work doesn't work anymore. Well, it's because technology right. made it so much easier. Because we mainly focus on tech. So a lot of our clients, it's all tech, from OTT, content, mobile, hence the um, you know, Media Excellence Awards, it's all mobile tech entertainment. And you have a multi-screen. So when you're making content, no matter what it is, you've got to make content for all screens to format handsets, iPads, to tablets, you have computers, you, know, you have all the streaming. Content is not just a singular log on to the T or log on or go to YouTube, or it's going to be on ABC, NBC, one of the networks, you have a multi-screen approach. So anybody who's making content, they've got to approach a multi-screen approach out the gate, or they're never going to make it. There's so much And multi-platform too, yeah. as well, right? It's right. a it's a real estate game for people's attention. We always talk about location, location, location in real estate. 
Now it's where's people's attention? So that becomes the new commodity for getting your message or your brand out. It's finding out where people are. Are they on their smartphones? Are they on streaming? Are they on TikTok instead of LinkedIn? I mean, finding out where your customer is giving their attention and going there. That's a very excellent point, Jeffrey. Yeah. And you got to realize that the most personal device there is in the history of the world, it used to be your car, right? And now it's your phone. And people say, what do you mean it's your phone? I said, listen, you know where your phone is more than you know where your children are. I mean, you think about it, you lose your kids and your phone in the mall at the same time. Which one will you go looking for first, right? And, uh, you know, there's someone right now going, yeah, well, if I find my phone, I can call the kids. You know, <laughs> that's truly the nature of the way it works. And so that's the most personal advice. So what, what you have to do is figure out how to get your share time on that now. But at the same time, as you said, Michelle, you really have to know your audience, right? So if I serve an executive audience, I can tell you most of them consume their, their information on a laptop. I know that because we do extensive tracking of what they do and where they do it. Now, some people say, oh, no, it's in the mobile. No, it's really a laptop. Then it's a tablet. Then it's their phone. And I can tell you what ages. I can tell you what times a day they go and see it. Well, it's two times a day, by the way, that they typically go and look for content and search for content and what they're looking for and what they're surfing for. And so we're, we have to be in those, you know, those time frames. I got to be there with great content. I got to be there to catch those eyeballs. Right. And then I got to capture their heart and mind as part of it. So, you know, you just have to be very flexible in the way in which you do it. And you got to be smart about it and understand that, you know, what works for you doesn't work for everybody else. You know, I might like it this way, but you might like it a different way. And so, you know what, if I want to have both of you in the same C-suite, I want to reach both of you or all, you know, all three of us, I got to offer it up three different ways or four or five. Well, this is where the branding issues come into play. Michelle and I talked to somebody who was big in the live streaming space, uh, John Petroselli at Bulldog. He came from AEG. He used to be a client of ours. So we used to stream everything, the concerts, the brands, love music. It's a mass amount of people at the same spot, have the same demographics, who love the same stuff. But we are now in a no event society. Hopefully that's going to change next summer. But for another nine months, we are not going to see events again. And so the big issue is if you're not spending your money at live events, you've got to create the content because all those people who were at Coachella, at music events, point events, are now at home on their Zoom, on their phones, on their tablets. They may be outside getting coffee in the backyard, front yard, find a change of scenery, but they're attached to their screen. So you've got to change your brand positioning, how to track, retain, and maximize is not going to be through the events anymore, at least temporarily. But you can do the events in a different way. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, for the C-Suite Network, we used to do about 100 to 120 events in live events throughout the year last year. Then, you know, COVID hits us like a freaking Mack truck. I mean, boom. I would have said another word, Sarah, but I know you don't want those red marks. It's okay. I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm, really, I'm, I'm really doing my best here. Now, because sometimes with me, you put the quarter and you go for the full ride. And uh, I'm, I'm a cowboy, so I tend to use the cowboy language. Now, nonetheless, now I'm doing 300 events for the C-Suite Network. We've increased it by threefold. And we're having better attendance, more attendance than we would have had had they been live events. Now, we're doing things like Scotch Sunday. Every single Sunday night, we have a Scotch event nationwide. And people who love Scotch or bourbon or whiskey or any other beverage of your choice, if, if you bring a, if you bring a rosé, let's just be clear, we are going to make fun of you. Okay, I'm just, I just want you to know that. Now, you can drink pretty much everything else. We're doing wine tasting events. And we're actually having singers 
and musicians come on the wine tasting. And, and now we're going to start doing a concert. You know, we're a C-suite arts and it's amazing what you can do if you have to be innovative, you have to change it and you have to make it engaging. And so so you just take the time to find different ways to be able to do those things and and make them more exciting. And you learn, you know, you can't just have all the talking heads. Right. You can't always do that. So now you need some breakout rooms or maybe you need a break with a, you know, a singer or maybe someone paints a picture or so. I mean, there's all these different things that you can start to get innovative about that you might not have thought about before and they and by the way they work out great that's because everybody's learning to lean on tech so before covid or actually three days before i think we just completely had a big shutdown i keynoted and opened up the 2020 wine marketing tourism conference oh wow and my whole thing was experiential lean on tech your wineries your have people coming into the vineyards they have to give a better experience they have to lean on tech and it's funny because we're tracking which one of these wineries are actually using technology to do the virtual, to do what you're talking about. But I just think they were so afraid of technology. And we always say, don't be afraid of it, embrace it, learn it and use it. And we were, let's be honest, we use Zoom like every, probably never. We use Zoom every day now. COVID has forced us to use technology. So yes, it's bad and it's sucks that lives are being lost and we're dealing with COVID and economies all upside down. But in the good side, we're getting more creative, more strategic, and we're now utilizing using the technology that we've been taking for granted and ignoring for so long. So there is a little bit of plus side in all of this. But for people out there who are whiskey and scotch drinkers, where can they find you for your Sunday scotch? Oh, good. Great. Just go to csuitenetwork.com, c-suitenetwork.com. Click on events and it's right there. You can ask for an invitation to that event. It is a private event, but we we just make sure we vet everybody that comes to the group that meets our qualifications, which means you have to be a VP or higher in order to be a part of the C-suite. Yeah, there's no more teeny Mondays or... We should, you know what? We're starting to have these coffee Thursdays on Fridays. We have, a, yeah, we have a celebration on Friday where it's kind of. Remember on Fridays how we used to call it the end of the day and heading home, but we'd stop off at a pub or maybe a bar and have a drink with a colleague or friend, and we'd give each other some high fives or a pat in the back or maybe even a hug if if you had a bad week. And we can't do that anymore, so we started an event on Friday called Celebrations, which called Wine to Water to Whiskey. Bring whatever you want. People come. We have like 150 people show up every single Friday who just, just get together and celebrate. Hanging out and talking about whatever there is. Exactly. I mean, that's I to me, these are that's the cool innovation things that are occurring. And if you would have told me a year ago you could get 150 people just to sit around and have some wine or or whiskey or water or tea and encourage other people, I would have said you're full of crap, right? There's no way this is gonna happen. No one's gonna buy that. And now we're doing it every day. And we're, you know, literally we have an event or two every single day. And it's just phenomenal. We might have two or 3,000 people at some of these events. And it's just, it's phenomenal to see. Nice. So now I know we talked a little bit, some of the stuff, I think, Michelle, you hit on a really good point earlier, not to pivot from Martini Mondays, which I'm more than happy to help out with you on. That would be a good one. I like that. Yeah. I like Martini Mondays and Mad Men Mondays or Martini Mondays. I think we're going to chat about that offline, Jeffrey. But I know there was, and this is an issue that I know is very important topic on diversity and between women and women's rights and in the workplace. Yep. I know, Michelle, this is a big subject for you. And I want to kind of take a little bit of time to talk about that because it's more than just building content and drinking online with buddies. Let's talk about 
kind of the seriousness of the diversity. And Michelle, you had a question when we started about what Jeffrey's done on the um, women's rights movement or... Well, I've heard so many fantastic things that you've said in other panels and in other speeches about this. It's been a remarkable year for everyone because it's really reset all of our industries and everyone has reevaluated. The nice thing, I think, for women and for maybe, and really if you can classify in everyone, minorities, everyone who haven't been necessarily of the privileged classes, is that it's reset everyone back to an equal starting point. So those who want to make advancement in their careers or who want to try something, they just have to do it. I mean, you can literally Google how to create content, how to do social media, how to create a podcast. You can find out anything. So I was wondering if you could expand a little bit more on some of the pivot points that you've commented on and and things that have inspired women and even minority groups to really just get out there and start making media and making content happen. You know, this has been one crazy year. If you think about it, I mean, with the elections, you can talk about that. And then you lay COVID on it. So you, you, you lay the political climate and overlay, you, you know, you overlay COVID on it. And then you overlay what has been one of the most blatant, divisive, you know, racism that you've ever seen in your life. I mean, that's really what we've gone through. It's all brought to head. Now, it's been there for a long time. I just think a lot of white people and a lot of folks just didn't realize it to the extent. Now, with cameras, thank God for them, you can see this stuff and you can see the Karens, you can see the this, you can see that of all these people who have been doing this for such a long time. Now, if we look introspectively to the like business. And so for years, business was taught never to take a stance, never to get in the middle of it, stay away from it, still hold the line. And I think that's a bunch of crap. And so a couple of years ago, I started writing about this, about diversity, inclusion and belonging. And the fact that more and more companies need to take a stand. Now, it doesn't mean you have to take the same stand as me. That's not my job. My job is not to convince you. My job is just to understand you. And that's what we should all do. It's not to change you from red to blue or blue to red. But to understand you, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But And by the way, if you want to take a knee on the side of the field, you can take a knee. If you want to boycott a product because the founder stood up and said something great for Trump, boycott the freaking product. You know, give me a couple examples. What Starbucks did when two black young men walked into a Starbucks and sat down, going to have a meeting with a potential investor. They're waiting and the manager comes over and tells them to get out because they haven't bought anything. Well, any one of us knows we can go into a Starbucks, not buy one thing all freaking day and sit there and work all day because it's a community place. And that's what their brand's all about. Yet they were challenged because they were black and they fit a profile. Well, Starbucks, thank goodness, recognized that and said, we're going to shut the whole company down for a day and we're going to go back and we're going to teach everybody this is what we're about. Hats off to them. And at the same time, you've got companies like Truett Cathy. He's the CEO, founder of Chick-fil-A. Now, I don't know if you know much about Chick-fil-A, where you live, but where I grew up down in the South, Chick-fil-A is a pretty famous place based out of Atlanta. Got a good chicken sandwich. Love that place. But, you know, Truett Cathy believes that, one, they should shut down on Sundays because he believes that's the day of the Lord. And so, therefore, they don't open on Sundays and they shut down. That's his privilege. He also doesn't believe in same-sex marriages and is very vocal about it. Now, some people can choose to say, hey, look, Truett Cathy, I don't like either of those two policies. I'm never going to buy a chicken sandwich. Now, I personally believe I don't agree with him on either one of those fronts, but that's his prerogative. It's his company. And so I'll support his right to do that. And I'll keep buying his chicken sandwich because it's a damn good chicken sandwich. 
And he's allowed his own political views on that. I have no issue whatsoever. It might cost him business. It might help him with his business. And I think we need more of that in this country. I think businesses need to take sides. I think people need to take sides. And you can say whatever you want to about Donald Trump. I think he's kind of batshit crazy myself. But nonetheless, okay, he has done one good thing in this country. And the one good thing he has forced people to pick sides. And I think that's a good thing. Because finally, we know where people stand. And I think the more that we can do that, the better we have the understanding. Now you put the quarter in, you're really going for the full <laughs> ride here. But let's talk about women. And let's also talk about people of color. People of color aren't represented in business today like they should be. African-Americans, blacks in this country make up 13% of the population, yet less than 2% of the, of the C-suite. That's not right. That's not right. Women make up over 50% of the population, yet only 17% of women serve on corporate boards today. And if we were to put a moratorium and say that we must fill every single slot that comes vacant with a woman, okay, we will never get the parity in my lifetime and probably your lifetime. There's something wrong with that. And so what we have to do is realize that this is indeed the case. And so some of us have to be advocates. We got to be more than advocates. We have to be sponsors. All right. We have to go out and do something to change that. Now, in the C-suite network, I'll tell you flat out, we are. You know, when we were, I was talking about black, life. Eddie Turner, who's one of our podcasters, who's an African-American, he's in the HR business, he's down in Houston, he's from South Chicago, he used to live in New York, now lives in Houston. He said, and he's, he's black, and he said, Jeff Hazlett was for Black Lives Matter before I was. And so, which is kind of funny to, to hear and see, but, and, and my point is, is that we've got to start doing something, we've got to change it. So ever since I've been involved with the C-suite, I've always make sure that there are people of color or women make up more than half of all of our programming. Which is, I think that's great. I think my my issue on this whole thing, and I totally agree with you 100% on this, Jeffrey, because I um, there's a sports team who I'm um, friends with one of their CEOs, and he's done such a tremendous job. And actually, it's on um, the Sixers. Scott O'Neill, who's the CEO of HB, has done a tremendous job leading diversity issues, promoting women. There's so many women in that organization, more than most other sporting organizations that he's promoted and he's brought light to in this time. But my thing is, everybody has an opinion. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just Europeans, European. But my thing is, people should be allowed to hear the opinions, whether you agree with it or not, is irrelevant. But you can't sit there and have an opinion with judgment. If you could have an opinion without judgment, but people are having opinions with judgment and cruelty. And that's what I can't stand behind yeah, it's, it's because I, I get it. And I think I posted the one political thing I've ever posted because I stay away from politics and bullshit on my social media pages. I don't want a social war on my Facebook page. I block people, but we are in a social divide. We are in a racial divided country now because of this whole past year. And it's okay if you have an opinion, but don't have one with judgment and negativity and hatred. That's what makes it worse and divides people even more. We're a social community, but we're not anymore. And I just, people who cannot voice their opinion articulately without judgment is just an opinion I don't want to hear anymore. It's tough, but, but at the same time, what I would say with that, Sarah, is that that's the person I want to hug the most. That's the person I want to reach out to more. Because if I don't, then I, I won't be able to help change. I won't be able to help enlighten. I won't be able to help raise awareness. Again, my job isn't to change your opinion, Sarah, ever. My job is just to understand you. Exactly. And the more I can understand you, the better I can see where you're coming from. And and if I can keep that dialogue going, at least, and I get that. But trust me, let me be clear. I got 
I got relatives that are so red, they're purple. Okay. So, I mean, they've just, they're so far deep in the, into that philosophy and that they believe there's a conspiracy and they this and that. I got them and they're, they're bearing silver in their front yard, in the backyard. I mean, they're, they're, we're waiting for the Holocaust to come again or the apocalypse to come or whatever it's going to be called. And they're ready for it, you know? So, but at the same time, I, I don't want to run away from them. I want to have that. I want to keep them, you know, by the way, I want to egg them on a little bit too. Oh, I don't <laughs> push them because we need tension. Tension's good. All of this stuff that we we're seeing isn't so bad. It's, because if, if we hadn't have had it, and I don't say I wanted to see the deaths of some of the people that are there, but it's forcing us to make decisions, right? It's forcing us that not just blue lives, but black lives, green lives, whatever you want. We all, it all matters, right? It's forcing us to recognize that we are all humans. We are all here. We're all waking up every day to make a living, to do good, be good, be better. And so yeah. we had Ron G, who's a very, an amazing comedian, Emmy Award winning actor, comedian, was on Showtime for Insecurity. He's amazing. And our conversation, Turn and Michelle was on. There's all of us were on this call, and we actually have a part two in like three weeks with all of the Media Mavens podcast hosts because it went from we were laughing, it was such a great podcast to because Ron G is an African American male, and it went into him. He has he's doing like a lot of Instagram stuff, not his own podcast, but he's doing his own, he's using media to yeah. tell his story and to have a voice and in a very articulate, classy way without judgment but it's giving him a voice to say what he needs to say to people to have that dialogue and he kind of touched base on the same thing it's not any of our jobs to change your opinion we're here to listen and have you hear our opinion see where we're coming from yeah and you know you also mentioned how these conversations are happening they're being allowed maybe for one of the first times and if ever and the Youth Oscars is doing their 41st award show this year virtually, virtual red carpet and everything. And I saw the script, I'm one of the producers on the show, and I saw the script. And one of the presenters is Kevin John Goff. His aunt, Hattie McDowell, won the Academy Award for Gone with the Wind in 1940 and wasn't allowed to go to the premiere because of the color of her skin. And even now, her Oscar was loaned to uh, Howard University to inspire African-American students and it was stolen during the Martin Luther King riots. So Ampus is all here 60 years later, 80 years later, considering restitution for that loss and saying, this is a key figure and we, we feel bad and her story should be told. And he's presenting and he says, you know, this is an uncomfortable trivia point for a lot of people, but young people, young artists are the ones that are going to be able to make things right. Maybe for the first time, you're going to elevate the industry to where it always should have been. And we are rallying behind you for that. And that seems to be what has been a common denominator this year is everyone taking pause and listening for a moment. Well, and I think allowing people to make mistakes too. I think that's the other thing. You know, I've had a number of African-American leaders on the show. I've had uh, African-American sergeants in the police force. I've had FBI agents. I've had all kinds of things. And by the way, I, I was blown away, especially by talking to black men, the number of times they've been pulled over, you know, like an FBI, a special agent in charge. And I ask him, how many times have you been pulled over? And, you know, here's the FBI agent, former uh, army uh, special forces, everything. And he's been pulled over. He said so many more times than he can count in his lifetime. And all because he's been profiled, you know, 
And it's a, I had no idea to the extent of it. And you have to be allowed. So Rolanda Watts, I don't know if you know Rolanda there in L.A., but she used to have the show Rolanda. She was up against Oprah for years. She's a CSI. She's a voiceover for, I don't know, all kinds of different things. But she uh, she's on our network. Her show is also on our, our C-suite network, C-suite radio. And I asked her to host uh, some special shows with me so we could kind of talk about this at the height of when Black Lives Matter, when it was the riots and everything else was going on. I said, I need I need you, bro. I need you to do this because um, I'm not black and I'm a man. And so there's a lot of issues here that I don't know. And I and I even said something during the show. I said, you know, that George Floyd, when that happened, I would never have allowed myself to do. I wouldn't have done it this way. I would have done it this way. And she goes, you never would have been put in the situation. And she's right. Because I'm a white male, there's no way that would have happened to me. And it was at that moment I realized. And so I said, you know, we, you got to allow me to make a mistake. you got to allow white guys like me or others to make mistakes because we don't know what to say. In fact, quite frankly, we're just like during the Me Too movement, a lot of men were being very afraid to be able to talk about this stuff. And you have to be able to ask for permission because, trust me, I'm going to open my mouth and say something I don't know. You know, it's like, it's like, like a lot of people come out and say, hey, you know, all lives matter. Well, no, okay, but that doesn't mean black lives don't. So, you know, so let's have those discussions and you need to have have some some good conversations about that stuff and and open that up so you can help enlighten people. And I, I think one of the things you got to be able to do, Michelle, is you got to be able to make mistakes and say, I'm going to make them and, and forgive me ahead of time. I don't mean to, but I don't know what I don't know. And But I'd rather have the discussion than not have the discussion. Yeah, and learn absolutely education. It's, it's if we can educate, inspire others to have an open mind, to treat people more fairly, to look at them for who they are, not what they look like. It has to start somewhere, and everything. So, but you know, I hate that we have to even cut our podcast with oh, you, Jeffrey. You're just <laughs> keeping rolling, and I feel like we should be having you and Ron G on the same podcast. Like, oh, I love to. Because this discussion to. is coming from. Well-known black man entertainment is coming from you, a white man and the C-suite industry. There's just so much to talk about and we need to use content and podcasts and the broadcasting to help tell the story and help come together. So that's a whole series too that I think we're going to work on. But for everybody, and I hate to even say goodbye to you. So we're going to have you back on. That's a promise. Awesome. Um, Even if it's Martini Mondays, how can people reach you guys at C-Suite Network? Oh, absolutely. Just go look up C-Suite. If you you type in the word C-Suite, we're always in the top one, two, or three in in any search engine. So that's one. But C-Suite Network is specific. So go look us up. And you can find me, Jeffrey Hazlett, H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T, just by searching that. You can find us anywhere because we're C-Suite TV, C-Suite Radio, C-Suite Book Club, C-Suite Loan, C-Suite Supply. We can keep going. That's what we're doing. All things C-Suite. We're all about C-Suite. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Jeffrey. I really appreciate it. Michelle Koshman, it's always such a pleasure to chat with you on our podcast. This is Sarah Miller of Access Entertainment. We look forward to seeing everybody next Wednesday at 5. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or you want to find past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. For more information, go to MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.